Here is a box, a musical box, wound up and ready to play. Can you guess what is in it today? and welcome. This is Box 39, the magazine and community show here on Com Radio 106.6 FM. And I'm Bill Lawrence, and my fellow guest presenter today, Bob May, will be joining us in a moment, because in Box 39 this week, our show is all about April the 1st, the 91st day of the year, a day of hoaxes, pranks and tricks, but also so much more than that. So to find out why April the 1st is so important, let's open Box Box 39 with Bill Lawrence and Adrian Cohen. Joined this week by Bob May. Indeed, we are joined by Bob May. Hello, Bob. Uh, hello, how are you? I'm very well. Lovely to have you here. And of course, there's one other person in our studio, and that is Ausgang Solo, also known as Henry. Our new house band, of course, replacing the late lamented Ausgang Exit, who for various reasons, mostly involving the taxman, have now sadly split up. But anyway, a uh, good thing about Ausgang Solo is, although they are, or he is Henry, playing the music by himself, which you've just heard, by the way, he does bring them with him a, a vast sort of cast of supporters. There's his accountant over there, there's his meat taster over there, and uh, the man who just fluffs up his pillows over there, Bob. Uh, so it's lovely to see that. Thank you very much, Henry, or Ausgang Solo. And that little piece you heard there was called the Brook Street Business Centre Boogie. Wow. And we'll be hearing more from Ausgang Solo during the show. So on this day, the 1st of April, we're going to be looking at births and deaths of that event and events on that day, as well as the uh, the pranks and the hoaxes and some fabulous music as well. Don't forget, send us your texts and emails. So tell us about April Fool's Day, Bob. What is it? It's an annual custom. Obviously, it takes place on April the 1st. And it's uh, traditionally consisted of people playing practical jokes uh, or hoaxes on each other. Yeah. Have you you ever been fooled? Uh, I have been fooled, yes. I was fooled just this morning, actually, by by my daughter. (laughs) Not too badly, I hope. No, no. She just told me the milk had gone off in the fridge. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, where did this originate from, do you think? It's uh, a long, long time ago, possibly in France, um, medieval times. Apparently, New Year's Day was celebrated um, between the 25th of March or 1st of April in some parts. I see. Um, So those who celebrated New Year's Day in December made fun of those who didn't do it until the springtime. Ah, so they were foolish celebrating New Year's Day in the springtime. What fools they were. What fools indeed. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, when do you think uh, that might... So that came across from France. Have we got any any early records you've been able to dig out about this? From Well, the first British reference I could find to it is April the 1st, 1698. Right. When several people were tricked in visiting into visiting the Tower of London in order to see the lions being washed. Oh, well, that's quite good. Quite a good little hoax that one, actually. So, so um, does it, is it all the same though? Surely, uh, there's going to be some variations uh, across the world with April Fools, or is it uh, yes, uniform? Yes, again, it's traditional in the UK to shout April Fool um, 
at the denouement. Um, <laughs> uh, in Poland, the Prima uh-huh. Aprilis is oh, yeah. also centuries long. Yeah. Um, where sometimes very sophisticated hoaxes are prepared, and the media often cooperates to make the information uh, more even more credible. Right. Right. Uh, what about um, in Italy? You're you're a, far, a man who knows Italy. Do you know, I don't know about Italy. I suspect they probably do like the rest of uh, the Mediterranean parts of Western Europe. Yeah. Um, because in France, Belgium, and certain French parts parts of Switzerland and Canada, yeah. uh, it's known for some very odd reason as April Fish. <laughs> April Fish! <laughs> yes, where um, <laughs> part of the game is to attach a paper fish to the victim's back without being caught. Right. Well, yes, I've never seen that, but i tell you something I've seen. Sticks in my mind, I think, it's the first April Fool I was aware of. It happened a little bit before I was born, but it was shown when I was a kid, and that was 1957. Uh, the hoax panorama program about spaghetti crops in Switzerland, and it was showing women carefully picking strands of spaghetti from a, from a spaghetti tree, laying them out to dry. Should we hear a little bit of that? Oh, Bob? that would be brilliant. Yes. It isn't only in Britain that spring this year has taken everyone by surprise. Here, in the Ticino, on the borders of Switzerland and Italy, the slopes overlooking Lake Lugano have already burst into flower, at least a fortnight earlier than usual. But what, you may ask, has the early and welcome arrival of bees and blossom to do with food? Well, it's simply that the past winter, one of the mildest in living memory, has had its effect in other ways as well. Most important of all, it's resulted in an exceptionally heavy spaghetti crop. The last two weeks of March are an anxious time for the spaghetti farmer. There's always the chance of a late frost, which, while not entirely ruining the crop, generally impairs the flavour and makes it difficult for him to obtain top prices in world markets. But now these dangers are over and the spaghetti harvest goes forward. Spaghetti cultivation here in Switzerland is not, of course, carried out on anything like the tremendous scale of the Italian industry. Many of you, I'm sure, will have seen pictures of the vast spaghetti plantations in the Po Valley. For the Swiss, however, it tends to be more of a family affair. Another reason why this may be a bumper year lies in the virtual disappearance of the spaghetti weevil, the tiny creature whose depredations have caused much concern in the past. After picking, the spaghetti is laid out to dry in the warm alpine sun. Many people are often puzzled by the fact that spaghetti is produced at such uniform length. But this is the result of many years of patient endeavor by plant breeders who've succeeded in producing the perfect spaghetti. And now the harvest is marked by a traditional meal. Toasts to the new crop are drunk in these boccalinos. And then the waiters enter bearing the ceremonial dish. And it is, of course, spaghetti. Picked earlier in the day, dried in the sun, and so brought fresh from garden to table at the very peak of condition. For those who love this dish, there's nothing like real homegrown spaghetti. <laughs> That's great, though, isn't it? Even after all these years, it's, it's still quite amusing. That, That's brilliant. And what's clever is the interleaving of facts to yeah. make it more yeah. believable, isn't it? And the accent of the of the uh, speaker. Very nice. Yes. Very nice indeed. Yes. Absolutely. So, um, can you think of any other hoaxes you've enjoyed over the years? Uh, well, there was. Um, one in uh, about 1980, I think, where the BBC radio announced that Big Ben, or the clocks, were going to be replaced with digital readouts to bring it into the modern era. And the BBC was inundated with angry listeners, apparently. Well, I can understand that. You know, I, I wouldn't like Big Ben to be digital, would you? No, God, it would be not make me angry. Yeah, not so easy to glance at. <laughs> and no tradition, of course. But... but Sorry, go on. I was going to say that there are a lot of younger people these days who can't read a, a clock with a face and hands. Indeed. 
or just can't read. <laughs> <laughs> I know that I remember uh, Branson, probably towards the end of the 80s, Richard Branson. He oh, yes. Owned, uh, he yes. owns a lot of stuff, doesn't he? And uh, he landed a, a hot air balloon, specially built to look like a UFO. And uh, he landed on the field on the outskirts of London, obviously being filmed and all the rest of it. And local residents uh, got very, very stressed having seen this UFO landing and phoned the police and said the aliens have landed. <laughs> and it got to the point where a local policeman actually approached the UFO with a truncheon in his hand. Oh. <laughs> uh, um, and, and, and the doors opened and this small silver suited figure emerged. And the policeman ran the other direction. I thought <laughs> it was Branson. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's sensible on both counts then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was about the era of the internet must uh, enable April Fools to be uh, perhaps a little more easily foisted upon us. What do you think? I suspect so. Yes. In, in fact, right back in 1997, um, an email was sent around the world saying that they were going to have to shut the internet down for 24 hours <laughs> in order to clean it out of all the rubbish that had accumulated in the network. <laughs> <laughs> I know that um, uh, that uh, the BBC radio Jeremy Vine show uh, oh, they suggested uh, a few years ago that Germany pulled out of the euro um, and was in negotiations to join with the British pound. Whoa. Now that would have upset a lot of people. <laughs> it would, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> My goodness me. Uh, um, uh, and interestingly, back in the seventies, yeah. um, Sir Patrick Moore, bless him, the famous. Uh, television and radio astronomer told listeners that a unique alignment of two planets would make people lighter because there would be less gravitational pull at precisely 9.47am <laughs> on the 1st of April. He invited the audience to jump into the air and experience the feeling and apparently lots of listeners rang in to say it worked. <laughs> yes. Uh, we end with one that I remember watching uh, as a child. Do you remember a programme called Tomorrow's World, Bob? Oh, yes. Used to love that. Tomorrow's World. I was watching it with my dad and they would um, of course we all had black and white televisions and they did this experiment they said watch carefully we can make it go color and i remember and it, i actually believed it i could see color on the screen and it was a sort of uh, self-fulfilling thing oh, wasn't it yeah, yeah 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 i can remember <laughs> that from all those ago well we were uh, we were absolutely uh, on all of these april fools we could uh, we could describe ourselves couldn't we as a ship of fools a ship of fools <laughs> I can find Laid my proposition down Laid it on the line I won't slave for beggars pay Likewise golden jewels But I would slave to learn the way Sink your ship of on a cool sea Ship of fools Sail away from me It was later than I thought When I first believed you now I cannot share your laughter, ship of Saw so your first ship sink and drown from rocking up the boat. Playing April Fool's pranks on people has to have an edge to it, if you ask me. In 1997, I took my friend's car and parked it in my garage. I then alerted her that it was missing and she went to the police to report the car stolen. By the time she had returned to her house with a couple of police detectives, I had returned her car to its parking space in front of her house. The disgruntled police went into the house and saw April Fools tell the police car stolen which I had written on the whiteboard on her fridge. And they saw a bong and an eighth of hashish I'd put on the kitchen counter. It was just priceless. Ship of fools, sail away from me. It 
in box 39? Well, we are in box 39, aren't we, Bob? It's Bob and me. Yeah. And we're looking at April the 1st. Uh, that, was, that was a bit dark there, Adrian. Uh, it was a little bit dark. It was dark. a little yes. bit dark, wasn't yes. it? Yes. Okay, now, on April the 1st, uh, many things have happened on that day. Not necessarily hoaxes. I think we're, we're just uh, ease away from that. Uh, Italians call it Il Primo di Aprile, as I Indeed, said. Indeed, yes. Uh, Very good. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so uh, the reason we uh, just mentioned Italy there is uh, that Pompeii was discovered on the 1st of April. The old ruins. That's it, well, re- yeah. dis- Rediscovered, I suppose. Yeah. It wasn't discovered, was it? I don't know if he was a tourist, but he was a Spaniard. What was his name? Uh, Roque Joaquin de Alcubierre. Well, that sounds a bit of French at the end there. <laughs> yeah. Looks like a beer. Yeah. But that was back in 1748. And... Uh, Thirty years later, well, there was a New Orleans businessman, Oliver Pollock, created the symbol for the dollar. Yeah, that's. Uh, you wonder was it actually created? Did someone actually sit there and think I'm going to create it? But clearly he did. And, and was he asked to create it, or <laughs> did he just say, "Hey, we haven't got one"? <laughs> yeah. Apparently, the dollar bill is exactly six inches long. Is it really? Yeah, whether by design or accident. Well, and, and what I find quite baffling about the dollar bill is they're all the same shape and colour, regardless of how many dollars the bills are worth. Are they? I they didn't are. know that. Yeah. Ah, they're all greenbacks. Got, yeah, they? and the same ah. size. Yeah. Anyway, uh, SOS. SOS, Save Our Souls. The Morse distress signal. That was first adopted on the 1st of April. I hope no one thought it was a, a hoax. <laughs> <laughs> could, have been, no, could have been awkward, couldn't it? So can you do the uh, SOS? Do you know how it goes? Uh, it's uh, dot, 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 dash, 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 dot, dot, dot. That's right. Or beep, 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 beep. That's right. I always thought it was for Save Our Scouts. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't. Um, uh, the Air Force that was created. The Royal Air Force was created. The Royal Air Force, yes. Way Nin- back. 1905. Yeah. And, and not only was it created, but it had already existed as the Royal Naval Air Service and the Royal Flying Corps, and they merged to create the RAF. But stunningly, that was in 1905, and the first ever flight had only been made 14 years before that by the Wright brothers. That's so soon, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was instrumental in the First World War, wasn't it? Aviation. A very dangerous occupation to be involved in. Hugely dangerous, yeah. 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 The first ever flight, I think, was about 120 feet by one of the Wright brothers, and by the end of that day, they'd managed to get 850 feet. Um, and then suddenly there was a gust of wind, it flipped the plane over and wrecked it. Ouch. Uh, that particular plane never flew again. <laughs> <laughs> so, other famous events, uh, another man you may have heard of, Adolf Hitler. Oh, Adolf Hitler, yeah. yes. Five yes. years hard labour he was sentenced to on the 1st of April, 1924, because he tried to overthrow the government, didn't he? The famous ah, Beer Hall Putsch. Yes. And was what a place Munich? to start your revolution, in a pub. In a pub, brilliant. Yeah, yeah you would thought it might never have got out of the pub, mightn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, do, you, do you like uh, German films, German fi- old German oh, film stars? I've, do you know, I've never seen it, but apparently on this day in 1930, Marlene Dieter, Trick came to fame in the Blue Angel when it premiered in Germany. She was she was the one who wanted to be alone, wasn't she? She was. Her famous song was in that. Um, Falling in love again. I just can't help it. <laughs> you know, for a moment I thought she was in the room. There, but <laughs> 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 well, um, we move forward a little bit to the, uh, the the sort of depression in America and uh, quite a romantic time in many ways. And two romantic criminals, uh, Bonnie Elizabeth Parker and Clyde Champion Barrow, better known as Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde, yeah, yeah. a criminal car- couple, weren't they? They they sort of travelled that central belt of the United States the sort of um, the, the flat area yes the, the um, I don't know the rust belt now is it or the um, yeah the, the dust bowl that's right and, but, and, uh, and during the depression wasn't it yeah um, they robbed banks didn't they, they robbed banks and they robbed shops yeah, yeah. Uh, petrol stations in fact in just over two years they committed more than a hundred crimes wow and they were of course um Came to fame in the film, Bonnie and Clyde, which um, rather glamorised them with the nice cars and the, the fine clothes, but... 
on this day, 1st of April 1934, which happened to be Easter Sunday, Clyde shot and killed two young policemen. Um, and the fact that a woman was involved in those, the tide of public opinion began to turn against them because they were no longer thought of as folk heroes bucking the system. So what happened in the end? Well, they'd, um, they'd murdered by this time at least nine police officers, four civilians. So the police set up uh, an ambush in Louisiana. And in May 1934, just a, a month later than the, their murder, uh, the police killed them with over 100 shots at their car. And Bonnie was 23 when she died. Clyde was 25. can tell you people they were the devil's children Bonnie and Clyde began their evil doing one lazy afternoon down Savannah way they robbed a store and hightailed out of that town got clean away in a stolen car and waited till the heat died down their reputation and made the graduation into the banking business reach for the sky sweet talking pride would holler as Bonnie loaded dollars in the Julep back. now one brave man he tried to take them alone they left him lying in a pool of blood and laughed about it Like I said, playing April Fool's pranks on people has to have an edge to it. In 2001, I wrote an email pretending to be a director of a multinational company who was inviting my friend for an interview, having been tipped off by a headhunter. My friend caught a plane to Paris from Heathrow at her own expense. This was actually on the 1st of April, lest we forget, and then forked out 200 euro for a taxi ride to a small town about 100 kilometers from Paris, where she found the business, the building, the address did not exist. I had made it up completely. She rang me from the little French town in the middle of nowhere, and I said, gotcha, and she was not amused. Absolutely priceless. A federal deputation laid a deadly ambush When Bonnie and Clyde came walking in the sunshine A half a dozen carbines opened up on Thank you. That's House Gang Solo. Wasn't that good? Yes. Thank you, Henry. And that was called Japanese Sock Glue Euphoria. They do very well on his own. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, well, Adrian, uh, what did you think? I thought that's... A... It's, um, it's edging towards nasty now, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Which is the dark side of April Fools, of course. It is the dark yeah. side, and yes. Yes. And, and, and very much exposed there by Adrian. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, there's been a lot of interesting uh, and important people have been born on this day, the 1st of April, which, by the way, Indonesians call Yang Patama Bulan April. I didn't know that. Yeah, I think they probably pronounce it April. Maybe. Maybe, yes. maybe. I think my accent's probably North, North Indonesian. Ah, yes, yes. Yeah. Urban rather than suburban. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, famous people born on the day of the 1st of April. Um, there was the man who created King Kong called Edgar Wallace. He was a novelist, really, wasn't he? Yes, he was English, which surprised me. I'd always assumed King Kong was something American. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so he he created King Kong and he'd, he'd written did a you, couple. Did you like that film? I liked uh, the remake. I'm not sure I've ever seen the old Fay Ray black and white one. No, it's not it's not my sort of thing, but probably a better book. Would have been, I, I probably that would have enjoyed That was probably the book. quite good, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, well, talking of that, uh, sort of a... a, a uh, iconic 1930s, 40s American actors or film stars, of which King Kong was a film star. Yes. There's also, of course, The Man of a Thousand Faces was born on this day. Yeah, you're talking about Lon Chaney, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. Or Leonardis. Yeah, and and we'd, I think people might remember him from, uh, he was the Hunchback of Notre Dame, wasn't the he? Hunchback of Notre Dame, the Phantom of the Opera. He was, yes. he was. Um, yeah. But someone much more recent born on this day, who, who is equally iconic, though, is an absolutely gorgeous lady, uh, a broadcaster. See if, I, see if you can guess who it was. I'm going to give you some clues, Bob. Okay. Um, well, this big clue, this one. She was the first BBC Radio 1 female presenter. Ah, um, yes. she be, she started on the 8th of February 1970 with Radio 1 and she's still broadcasting every Wednesday night did it last night uh, she's still broadcasting any uh, ideas yet? yes that gives it to me it's uh, the legendary 80 years old today Annie Nightingale. Yeah, isn't she good? She's amazing, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the old Grey Whistle Test, I remember very well in the late 70s. That was a good show, wasn't it? Yeah, fantastic. It was a good show. That was in a sort of line of good music shows, which I would say the last in that line was probably The Tube. The Tube, yeah, yeah. And apparently the old Grey Whistle Test was that the old men in the... Um, production studio if they whistled a tune later on then it was going to pass oh i see <laughs> okay uh well we'll just think anyone else born on that day we'll come up with a one one more i think yeah another one who's still alive we could what should we go for uh, how about the the presenter of the big breakfast um tfi friday Top Gear and recently The Breakfast Show on Radio 2. And now with Virgin, I think. You were and talking about the love him or hate him Chris Evans, aren't I you? I am, yes. <laughs> yes. And he is loved or hated and good luck to him, that's what I say. Indeed. And, you know, he, he, his, he is what he is. Yes, I don't think he's ever hurt anybody as yeah, he, he's pursued like his own dream and Absolute, done very well. Absolutely. 1966 he was born. Oh, I'm a youngster, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could talk about Burger King now. Do you, do you ever I like Burger, Burger King? King? I have one at the weekend well, yes. there you are. they are much much better than the other <laughs> popular brand a, an american multinational chain of hamburger fast food restaurants for anyone who's not aware um their first burger they were first called the insta burger king Ooh, that sounds like something you mix with water, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. But renamed Burger King after some financial problems when they had to relaunch under a new name. And they really are huge now. Two, uh, the $320 billion a year they, they bring in over the counter. Wow. Across the world, three hundred and twenty wow. billion. Wow! What our leaders could do with that money at the moment? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and the reason we're talking about Burger King here is because uh, uh, they recently launched a hoax for a new product—a revolutionary toothpaste tasting like their their iconic burger, the Whopper. And uh, Bob, listen to this. This is the ad that was played across the world on April Fool's Day, twenty seventeen. Our flamed grilled Whopper is so good that some people would do anything to keep the taste in their mouth. To keep the Whopper's taste in my mouth? Haven't brushed my teeth for two weeks. It really works. But my wife dumped me. We're done. Don't worry, Burger King has the answer. To keep your mouth Whopper fresh, use Whopper toothpaste. For real? Yes, it's flame-grilled microgranules enriched with sesamium seeds contribute to your oral health. From day one, the ultra-fresh advanced Whopper technology will help keep your breath Whopper fresh longer than ever. And you'll notice the results immediately. of Whopper in here. Did you brush your teeth? Whopper toothpaste. Keep your mouth Whopper fresh 24-7. Hello, I'm Barack Obama, and you're listening to Box 39, a president-shaped box. 
well, thank you, Mr. Obama, for, for joining us there. And uh, that was, yeah, that, so that was the Whopper Toothpaste. Ideally chosen name, wasn't it, for <laughs> April Fool? <laughs> now, I, I know that you're very much interested in, in uh, one of your musicians that you like, you love your music, is a, a man who was born on the 1st of April, and he's called Ronnie Lane. Tell me a bit about Ronnie Lane, Bob. Yeah, Ronnie Lane was born in uh, East London in 1946 on 1st of April. Uh, he became famous as the bass guitar player for the Small Faces in the 1960s. Uh, he wrote songs, he produced music, and following on from the Small Faces, he then went on to the Faces when Rod Stewart joined them. Right, so uh, that's quite a pivotal time in, in, in English music, isn't he? So, uh, isn't it? So, um, so. Uh, when he left school and went straight into uh, music, formed the Small Faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so he, he'd be a mod then. He was a mod, um, and it very quickly mod moved into psychedelia as well. So there were instruments that had never been heard on pop records before, with uh, the Moog synthesizer and such instruments. Oh yeah, yeah but yeah. Um, yeah, just uh, just sixteen, he met Kenny Jones in a pub. They formed a band. Um, then he went to buy a new guitar and bumped into Steve Marriott, who worked in the guitar shop. Yeah. And that was the Small Faces, uh, named because they were all under five foot five tall, <laughs> awful members, and a face was uh, someone to be looked up to in mod circles. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's, yeah. A face is a bit of a, a bit of a geezer, face. isn't it? A, yeah, a well-known yeah. geezer. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, what happened after after the faces? Then, the well, small faces? yeah, the small faces had a lot of chart success for four years, but in 1969, Ronnie Lane formed the Faces with uh, Ronnie Wood, who's well known now, and Rod Stewart, who's slightly better known, probably. Um, they co-composed the three of them, many of their famous pieces. Uh, but only for three years, because by then Rod Stewart was doing so well on his own career yeah. that um, the band split up. So what happened to Lane then? Lane formed another band called Slim Chance, who had one hit, as far as I remember. It was called How Come. I, I could sing it, but I'm not going to <laughs> tonight. Um, but he, I think he'd done all right. He, you know, back in those days, musicians got a bigger percentage of, of the money. Um, and he emigrated to America, but not before, sadly, been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Wow, that's a shame. But America was thought to be more beneficial for the for the health on that front. Now, we're going to play a piece of music, and it's called Traveller's Tune by Ocean Colour Scene. But what's the link with Ronnie well, Lane? Well, Ocean Colour Scene um, became friends with Ronnie Lane. He, they, uh, they were inspired by him, and he helped them quite a bit. And this song that we're about to play, Traveller's Tune, was written in his memory. said, playing an April Fool's prank needs to have an edge for it to be truly funny. 
In 2005, I phoned a bomb threat through to the school I used to go to when I was a kid and watched from my bedsit across the road as all the school children evacuated to the playground. I then phoned the school again and explained that the tall building next to the school playground, the one with thousands of square meters of pane glass windows, was also going to be blown up by a bomb. As the children were being evacuated again, I rang the school again and said that there were car bombs at both entrances to the school. It was an absolute classic. was uh, Ausgang Solo with a terrific little tune called Sherbet Cold Turkey Plan. Do you know, do you know, any, do you know Bob, if uh, Adrian's contract's coming up for renewal, isn't it? Well, yes, I think it is imminent. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm not, not sure how many people will be voting for it in the boardroom, are you? Absolutely. He's dark, isn't he? Very, very dark. He's got an edge, hasn't he? Yes, darker than the night sky is at the moment, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, more uh, interesting, important people have died on this day, the 1st of April. Do you, know, do you know what the Russians call the 1st of April? No. What do the Russians call it? I think they call it Pervoye Aprilia. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Do like the accent Do you like there? that, didn't that, you? Yes. That yeah. was Vladivostok to a T. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yes, as you say, not everyone was born on this day. I think there's someone you were keen on who, was, who died on the 1st of April. Ah, oh, yes. Now, you, I want to talk about uh, Marvin Gaye. Yeah, Marvin Gaye, yes. Marvin Gaye, uh, shot to death, sadly, only 44 years old, and sadly shot by dead by his dad. Yes. His father, Martin Sr. in Los Angeles. Do you know what? I love Marvin Gaye. He, he sort of shaped shaped so much of the sound of Motown, didn't he? He was oh, um, a string of hits. I mean, he, he was a tortured soul. Um, he? Yeah. yeah, he had a terrible cocaine addiction, oh, which it, lasted sort of lo- the last, or well, at least decade of his life. I didn't know um, that. And, and it caused him, at one point, he moved to Ostend in Belgium, and really just to get away from the cocaine, the habit, and the people, and all the rest of it, that sort of whole um, environment of cocaine that he was in. He moved, yeah, to stop his drug use, he oh, moved to Belgium. Not, not for cross-channel uh, import-export. <laughs> no, well, I'm sure he, he, he might have enjoyed chocolates and perhaps a nice beer. You do get a nice beer. Oh, uh, that's very true. <laughs> but he, and, and at that time that he was in uh, Ostend in Belgium, uh, changing his life, he came out with, I guess, the song that everyone knows best for Marvin, which was Sexual Heat. Healing. It won one of those that awards, was massive, it? wasn't it? Yes, yeah, so he got a Grammy for that, I think. And he got a Grammy, but he returned to um, America to, to do all the touring and the promotion of it, and the cocaine kicked in again. Oh, dear. And it, it fueled uh, excessive paranoia, which unfortunately led to the... the the argument with his dad. Oh, and it was just a, an out-of-control argument, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, sadly, sadly. Oh. But... I, I think that's that's not what I want to remember Marvin Gaye for. I want to remember for it, the, the politics in his songs. Um, he yeah. was inspired by the Black Panther movement, and he right. su- he supported the efforts that they put out. A lot of the Black Panther, the stuff they really did was like free school meals to poor families, that sort of thing. He was very much inspired by that. Uh, they were social as well as. <laughs> Yeah, angry. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and he had a his second album was called "What's Going On," and we are going to uh, take take a, a song from that, aren't we? Uh, yep. And uh, very much all about the the, the problems of, of that era: racism and police brutality, uh, drug abuse. There was a uh, Vietnam War going on. There was Black Power issues, and it really inspired Gay to make this album. Um, and this, uh, what we're going to we're going to listen to is, is is a song called "Inner City Blues," which was originally um, a gospel song, and then sort of became a protest song. And uh, the lyrics are great: crime is increasing, trigger happy policing, panic is spreading. God knows where we're heading. 
Oh, make me want to holler. They don't understand. Uh. Fool's prank with an edge to it. It was in 2008. I got hold of some peanut oil and put a few drops in a cup of coffee my peanut allergic friend was about to drink. As he gulped the last of the coffee, he could read the words at the bottom of the cup which said, You have been poisoned, which he immediately clocked as being an April Fool's joke because he had already mentioned that it was the 1st of April. He laughed, but he was being premature and had not understood the true nature of the prank. Indeed, he, he never did see the funny side of it, and he reacted so badly we had to take him to the casualty ward at the local hospital. It's the edge to the prank that makes it funny. This is Box 39 with Bill Lawrence and Adrian Cohen. Joined this week by Bob May. Yes, indeed. I'm here with Bob and uh, I'm Bill. Bill and Bob. Bill and Bob. And uh, we're talking about April the 1st, the 91st day of the year. And that Adrian, you know, he's, he's very dark, isn't he? Well, he says age. I think it's more precipice. <laughs> <laughs> Last tale. <laughs> anyway, let's move on swiftly because uh, this is the day, of course. Norwegian. Do you know what Norwegians call the first of April? I do know this one. Yes, yeah. it's uh, den första april. Oh, it, it was like there was a Viking in the room there. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Now, um, interesting people born on this day. Um, yeah, we've had the historic ones. We've got some more... Some sports uh, people. Some living people or sport, yeah, sport sporting people. Good, Do you yes. remember a sort of blonde, a blonde England cricket captain called David Gower? Da- yes, I do. He was born on the 1st of uh, April, 1954. He? Oh, good year. He was a he was a great batsman, really, wasn't he? He was, yes, big, 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 big batsman. Uh, over a hundred tests, I think. Yeah. And um, he had a great average, 44, uh, 44 runs per innings as a test batsman. That not bad, is, is a it? stunning average, isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah. My average as a batsman when I played for the uh, a team in Colchester on Monday nights, my average for a season was one. <laughs> So that puts 44 in quite a good light, doesn't it? <laughs> and then they didn't ask me back after the next season. And isn't it great that cricket's back on television? Yeah, it yeah. is. It is. Yeah. At the time of, um, of, of recording this... Uh, which is in early 2021. We've been very fortunate enough to see a test series against India, haven't we? We have, yes. And, uh, I, uh, and we, we didn't do very well as a We didn't. Well, uh, England, be, England began didn't. well, faded away. But yeah. it was lovely to, to watch live cricket again, yes. wasn't it? It was. Yeah. Another sports person is Beth Tweddle. 
Beth Tweddle, what a great English gymnast she's been for the country. Yeah. Now, Won a World Championship gold three times. She did. Yeah. Yeah. Although she wasn't born in the UK, was she? No, I think she was born in South Africa. Ah, yeah. Uh, yes. But must have had at least one English parent, presumably. Well, the reason I mentioned her, really, is because gymnasts, they wear very special clothing, don't they, to help their performance. Very much all part of the modern world of gymnastics. Very adapted. Uh, And then, of course, very cleverly, uh, because that's a very small market of people to sell to, they adapted (laughs) to sell it to to us, the general public. And, uh, of course, the way of selling it is it's good for your health. It's always (laughs) a a good way to say this clothing is good for your health. Put this on and you'll be fitter immediately. Yeah. So T-Mobile, who the uh, the broadcast, the communications company, uh-huh. a few years ago, they decided to advertise a new all-in-one bodysuit. Oh, uh, that would set. It had extraordinary properties. Yet it looked just like a fashionable set of pajamas. It was the very fashionable onesie. <laughs> With T-Mobile One, we went all in on unlimited. But we believe Unlimited should transcend the device in your hand. It should cover your entire essence. It's time to redefine the definition of Unlimited coverage. Introducing the world's first full-body wearable, T-Mobile Onesie. All wearables before this have been complete and utter crap. How can one tiny piece of rubber on your wrist possibly monitor all your body's complex and nuanced biomechanics? That doesn't make any sense. T-Mobile Onesie is daringly designed for living unlimited. From the moment you go all in, you feel the breathtaking advancement with every breath. Now, you don't just track your fitness, you embody it. Real-time micro-monitoring gives you unparalleled access to the detailed biodata you couldn't possibly need or ever hope to comprehend. T-Mobile Onesie is couture meets connectivity. 4G LTE meets Fifth Ave, with a gorgeous array of inspired designs to fit every occasion. Sport, comfort, and work. This design means business. We wove revolutionary 4G LTE nanofibers directly into the very thread of T-Mobile Onesie, literally covering the wearer in T-Mobile's lightning-fast network. So you'll look hot as an unlimited human hotspot. Hey, man, I got you covered. Your friends stuck on some lame-ass network. Well, thank you. Oh, thanks. And with remarkably profound features like diet mode with haptic willpower. <sighs> Thermonetic charging using motion and body heat. And all-in alarm. You'll never need to take it off. It's time to literally go all-in with truly unlimited coverage. Daring. Revolutionary. Fashion forward. So f***ing comfortable. T-Mobile onesie. Sexy. Okay, well, that was the two mobile onesie, which of course is an April Fool's prank. Well done, Ausgang Solo. That was Fugue for German Motorways. Love that. Oh, I like that too, yeah. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. So, apologies to anyone if there was a, a few words might have slipped into that last bit that uh, we would not advocate. But anyway, do you know uh, someone else born on this day was uh, Susan Boyle? Now, Susan Boyle sprang to fame on national television from out of nowhere. She was born in West Lothian of Scotland, um, was already almost 50 when she appeared on Britain's Got Talent on national television. Yeah. She came on stage looking like the joke act of the evening. 
and certainly the audience treated her as that and so did the panel but when she and she's a little bit um strange in conversation never married lived at home with her mum at the time still at she's not maybe a natural in that setting not no didn't didn't look like a star in the making but um they said oh well go on then give us a song and when her mouth opened to sing um her first song which was from one of the, the big musicals it was absolutely stunning it brought the house down and here she is singing uh perhaps the song she's most famous for now yeah a rolling stones number wild horses Here's another April Fool's prank with an edge. This one is from 2011. I stuffed a couple of sacks with second-hand clothes from a charity shop and threw in a few pieces of rotting meat that I allowed to get really pongy in the shed and then trussed them up into a certain shape before putting them inside a couple of large black bin liners and gaffer taped it in such a way so it looked like a human corpse with a head, hands tied behind its back and gaffer taped its feet together. I then put this in the boot of a friend's car, which he found when I asked, What's that smell? He opened the boot and immediately puked. April Fool, I shrieked delightedly. Okay, so uh, that was Susan Boyle and Wild Horses. Open the box! Well, we're going to open the box for a little bit longer, uh, Bob. Okay, that's good. I'm not sure if uh, Adrian will be opening the box next week, though. Well, you know, I think he redeemed himself a little bit there because it didn't hurt anybody except the the person the prank was on. Yeah, yeah, so we'll forgive him. (laughs) We'll forgive him. Anyway, uh, we've got some emails. Oh, excellent. Um, Can you read that first one from Ron and Reggie up there? Can you see it on the screen? Yes, I'd love to, yeah. Yeah, Just turn the screen there a bit. Good. Yes, Tesco ran an ad in the sun, say Ron and Reggie from Brighton C, to announce that they had successfully or there'd been a successful development of a genetically modified carrot that would uh, had a tapered air holes so when cooked they would whistle to tell you to remove them from the stove now ron and reg say they told their mum fooled her so she went to tesco's to buy some yeah um they hadn't heard of them obviously as it was a hoax the manager was called and eventually with the argument he banned mum from tesco's oh 
but uh, happy ending really. Ron and Reg went to see the manager yeah. with some of their own carrots. <laughs> Um, the manager doesn't play snooker anymore. Oh, I see. But, uh, Ron and Reg say we love our mum. Oh, that's that's good. That's good news. <laughs> not necessarily good news for the manager. Possibly not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got one here from. Um uh, Daryl Bass from Gusset Hill in St. Osith and he says uh, the new Box 39 house band Ausgang Solo and his mid-range laptop are they anything to do with the Box 39 series 1 and 2 pre-COVID house band exit Ausgang exit yes 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 and there's one final one to read there Bob yeah this is uh, Peachy Dread one of our regulars at Shrub End uh, Mango's wife isn't it yeah it yeah. is yeah. Um, and uh, her favourite April Fool is The Moon Landings, which she said was a very funny hoax, but in reality filmed in a large warehouse on East Mersey. Oh. Um, and just as a finale, she says her husband Mango's favourite April Fool was England's cricket performance in the third test against India in February this year. <laughs> it could only be a joke, couldn't it? <laughs> well, Bob... It's been wonderful. This has been Box 39, hasn't it? Our magazine of music and community and humour and chat. And we've come live from Studio One here at Colm Radio Towers. Thanks so much to you, Bob. We look forward to seeing you very soon. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. So we end the show with the Hot House Flowers. And this is I Can See Clearly Now. And this was the very first song that we played on uh, Box 39 back in February 2017, over four years ago, when the show was actually called Your Community and Sports Show and was broadcast from the old Calm Radio building, which uh, uh, was a disused fish gutting shed down there by the River Colne at the Hive, before Calm Radio was rebuilt, rebranded, and became the shining jewel in the crown of the media empire of the Ukrainian Scottish salmon uh, magnate, uh, which is own, uh, entirely owned for tax purposes, of course, by that magnate, the mighty Lord David Price. So, from high up here in Studio One on the fourth floor of Cone Radio Towers, looking out over the full and fertile lands of North East Essex, it's time for us to close Box 39 once more. Be seeing you. Be seeing you. Here's an edgy April Fool's prank I pulled in 2015. I used photo editing software, a large jar, food colouring, a computer printer and paper that I laminated. Using the photo editor I blended two pictures of my friend together to create a flat image of his head, which I then laminated and submerged in the jar. When the flattened image was inserted into the curved jar, along with the distortion from the coloured water, it gave the illusion of a decapitated head in a jar of preserving fluid. I placed this in the fridge when he was away and would have loved to have seen his wife's face when she opened the fridge and looked in. But alas, sometimes with edgy April Fool's pranks, you just have to take pride in your work, even if you miss out on the carnage that you cause. All of the bad feelings have disappeared Here is the rainbow I've been praying for It's gonna be a bright, such a shiny day Bright, bright, such a shiny day Yeah.
39 is a Guppy production for Cohen Radio and is committed to a varied, equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience. 